0: Morning, and while I'm doing a little intro, I want to point out that we will be flipping around a lot this morning. Um, So if you want to go ahead and find uh, Genesis 2, Exodus 20, Deuteronomy 5, and Mark 2 in your Bibles, um, use all your fingers to mark those spots. That that will be helpful. And while you're doing that. you know when I when I say basketball and I think about basketball, I can't talk about basketball without talking about Michael Jordan, greatest player that ever lived. There's no debate. No debate. Come on, who who are you going to bring up? Wilt? I mean, the guy was like seven foot twelve. Okay, he had a huge advantage. There's there's nobody else greater than Jordan. At least that's my opinion. And 1992, Jordan's in the NBA Finals, right with. The Bulls against the Blazers. And uh, game one, he comes out six three-pointers in the first half. Scores, scores something like 35 points in the first half. It's an NBA Finals record. I think still stands to this day. And that wasn't the most amazing part of that series, though. For me, the thing that sticks out most about that series is game six because the Bulls were struggling, and, and Jordan is, is not having his best game. Uh, and in the third quarter of game six with the Bulls up 3-2 in the series Bulls are down by 15 points at the end of the third quarter so it looks like Blazers are going to take the game send it to game seven and it's a winner take all so the Bulls are in need of a spark in the fourth quarter and of course they would turn to their, their all world all everything greatest player who ever lived Michael Jordan to lead them right? wrong Jordan sat on the bench for the the start of the fourth quarter. The Bulls are down by 15 points, the most important game of the season, and Michael Jordan took a break. Okay? I mean, people were looking at that thinking, what is going on here? This is crazy. Phil Jackson, coach of the Bulls, you're going to get fired. And that was the, the sentiment at the time. I remember thinking that. Except here's the thing. When, when Jordan sat on the bench for three minutes in the fourth quarter, the Bulls went on a run and cut the lead to three. And they went on to win the game and win the championship. What's my point? Is it crazy to you to think about resting from your labors for a day? When you hear about Sabbath, when you hear about taking a break, and you look at your busy schedule, you look at all the work you have to do, and somebody's saying, you need to take a break, is that just crazy? Because that's, that's kind of what I want to talk about today. And, and then here's the other thing, do, do you, actually, you actually get to rest for a day maybe, and you sit down and you're, you're taking a break, you're taking a nap, whatever? I mean, do you feel lazy, unproductive, maybe even a little bit guilty? Because you took a rest for a day? I want to talk about that because I think that's important. I, I've felt that way plenty. I sit down and I'm like, man, I should be doing something. I should be making, a, making a, like a shelf or something. You know? So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the fact that if we feel guilty for, for simply doing what God has commanded us to do for a day, then we're out of Sabbath rhythm. And I want to talk about what Sabbath rhythm actually looks like. And to start with that, uh, we need to look at Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Let me pray. Father in heaven, the one who has made all things and created all things and the one who rested from all things on the seventh day, we look to you now and we ask that you would send your Holy Spirit to. Uh, Dwell among us this morning that we might have understanding, that you might give us wisdom, that you might open the scriptures to us uh, so that our souls might benefit from it. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. So should we worry about having a Sabbath rhythm in our lives? I mean, do we need to be Sabbath people? And that's kind of the main question I want to go through uh, throughout this sermon. I want to talk about some theology Of the Sabbath, and I want to talk about some misconceptions that I think people have about the Sabbath. Uh, But I think the place to start is the story of Scripture. As we saw last week, uh, there are two ways to view the Bible you can view it as two stories for two people, or you can view it as one story for one people of God, of a spiritual inheritance. And I think if we see the Bible as one story, it helps us to understand why we have a need for the Sabbath, even to this day. the Bible is 100% true. It is fact. So when I say the Bible story, I'm not talking about a bunch of made-up stuff. I'm just saying that the Bible is 100% truth told in story format. And, and if, I think if we look closely, we see Sabbath woven into the story throughout, from beginning to end. And so the story starts in creation, as we've already read in Genesis 2. God creates on the sixth day. He makes humans, he gives them work. And that work is a form of worship. It's worship because God tells them to do it, and so by obeying God, they're worshiping him. They're to go out and they're to bring order to the garden. They're to imitate God's creative work. But he also makes it very clear that these people, Adam and Eve, they're not God. They're created in his image, they're not just like him. There's a distinction there that is very important. And then God does a curious thing on the seventh day, as we've already read. He rests. It's curious because why would God need to rest? And God is, I mean, is he tired? He's like, huh, that was a lot of work. I need a nap. I mean, that if that's the truth, then then we have some problems. I think there's a hole in God's Godness if he gets tired. I don't think that that's what, in fact, I know that's not what it's saying. Um, the word, if you look at the Genesis 2 there, the word for rest isn't God got tired and took a nap. The word is is Shabbat, which means to cease, to stop, to take a break. Not a rest break, but just to to sit down and recognize your work is completed. And that's the first time we see the word Sabbath in the whole Bible. And so, again, it's important to understand this is not resting from exhaustion. This is God resting to symbolize that his creative work, creating ex nihilo, is completed. Now, in ancient Near Eastern mythology, the mythological gods that you read about would usually finish something and build a temple. And they say, Here, here's my temple, here's my altar, to, me, to be a memorial to the fact that I finished a job. But God doesn't do that because his creative work is building a temple. The universe is his temple. And he sits down to recognize that the universe is complete and he is God. He is king over the universe. That's what him resting on the seventh day is all about. And because of this, I would say that Adam and Eve sabbathed, if that can be a verb, they sabbathed pre-fall. Again, not necessarily because they were tired, they may have been tired, they may not have been, I don't know. But because they were to imitate God, They, they were to imitate the way that he created for six days and imitate the way that he rested for one day. It was a creation ordinance, it was... Woven into creation. It's a part of creation the same way that gravity is a part of creation, the same way that marriage is a creation ordinance. It's a part of how the world works. It's how God designed the world to function. There's a Sabbath rhythm to creation that is, I think, very clear in the scriptures. And so the the principle is that, you know, Adam and Eve, guys, you've got this job to do, I've given you this work. Um, it's, it's going to be good for you, it's going to be a delight to you, but let me tell you this, if you do it for six days and you rest for the other, your work you're, you're going to be far more productive in your work. You're going to do your work far better. You're going to delight in your work far more if you take that day of rest. So their work was to be worship and their day of rest was to be an act of worship. You know, the interesting thing about Michael Jordan, I'll come back to him for the last time, uh, he rested in that fourth quarter, and you might have thought that that was weird unless you follow the team, because Jordan did that every single game. I mean, you would see him take a rest at the beginning of the fourth quarter every game all season long. It was a part of his game rhythm. And so, going back to that game six, he comes back in the game, steals two balls immediately. The Bulls are already, like like within a minute of him being in the game, the Bulls are in the lead. They never look back. They win. Because Jordan was fresh. He was rested. He was able to make that fourth quarter stretch run. Whereas if he didn't rest, he might have been worn out and and no good to the team. So the point is, Are you better rested, are you better able to do the work that God has given you to do if you're just doing it constantly, 24-7? Or are you more productive, better able to worship God through your work if you have a day of rest? The other principle that comes out of this is Adam and Eve on their day of rest needed to step back and see and be reminded That it was God who sustained the universe, not their work. It was his work, his upholding work, that made the universe flourish. It wasn't what they were doing. What they were doing was important as a part of God's plan for them, but they didn't make the universe run. God did. And so we know what happens next, though. We We get sin, Adam and Eve... I, I think that I like to define sin by saying um, it's, it's me looking at God and saying, I want to rule myself, I don't need you. I think that's what Adam and Eve were doing, they, they, were, they were saying, I, I don't want to be under your authority. And, and so the frame of their hearts, their disposition changes from one of delight, one of obedience, to hearts of rebellion. And so God says, because of this, I've, I'm cursing this world. I'm cursing creation. I'm putting a curse on your work. Creation is now going to work against you. You're going to have weeds and thorns. Childbearing will be painful. It's going to be hard. And so fast forward a little bit into, in the story, we get to Egypt. Israelites have been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. They're working 24-7, no breaks. God redeems them, brings them out of Egypt, gives them the Ten Commandments at Sinai. And what do they hear in the fourth commandment? Let's look at Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. So we're told here in Exodus 20, the Israelites who have just come out of this slavery are told that they are to take a day off. God is the creator not the Egyptian gods not Pharaoh who were just slave drivers God is God. God is the creator and the creator wants to give them rest to remind them that he's the one that upholds the universe. You see the Egyptians they wanted to to remind the Israelites that they were in charge with a whip. God wants to remind us that he's in charge with a day of rest. I like God better. God is God. He upholds the universe. He gives us a day of rest to to commemorate that and to refocus us on that. And it's also a call to worship. He says to keep it holy. It's a day that Lends itself to worship because we're resting. We're already worshiping God by our rest, but now we have an added opportunity to corporately worship Him as a gathered people. So it's a twofold day of rest in a lot of ways. But then there's another purpose because of the fall, and that's that we have limits now. Okay, God cursed the creation, like we already said, so that means we, He cursed us too. So we have weaknesses, we we get sick, we get sore backs and and arthritis, and and we wear out. So we need a break. I'm telling you, these these Israelites coming out of Egypt, working seven days a week, they hear this, that's some good news right there. That's a God that I want to serve, a God that wants to give me a day of rest. He's not like those Egyptians. So a Sabbath rhythm is established for Israel. Work six days, take a rest on the seventh day. Number one, so that you'll remember that God is God, not you. And also so that you'll be fresh for your worship and your work. Now, I think that this takes a measure of faith to get in line with. uh, because, Because it's tempting to say, well, yeah, but I need those seven days to do all my work. I can't do it all in six days. And I, I would, I'm going to talk more about that later, but I would point you to tithing, which is a similar principle. The idea with tithing is, is God can do more with your 90% than you can do with your 100%. And that's a step of faith to get there. That took a lot of faith for me to get there. The Sabbath is the same way. God can do a lot more with your six than you can do with your seven. That's a a step of faith that you need to take. So we're fallen people. We need the Sabbath to remind us that God is God. I keep saying that over and over again because that's the heart of the Sabbath. And we need Sabbath because we have limits and we need rest. But now we have something else. If we look at Deuteronomy 5.15, we have a redemption principle added to the Sabbath. Deuteronomy five. It's kind of a recap of the the law, the Ten Commandments. And Moses starts out the fourth commandment the exact same way as he did in Exodus. But there's a subtle, not not so subtle maybe, change at the end. Um, The why is different. The why, why should we keep the Sabbath? It's no longer, he's not saying anything about creation now. He's saying, you should keep the Sabbath. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. Now, this doesn't mean that what he said in Exodus is done away with. Because that's still the word of God, too. I think this just adds something else onto Sabbath. And that now we are to look back at the fact that God is creator. And also look ahead to redemption. So this... This added element points, it pointed the Israelites to the promise of the Messiah. It points us to our redemption in Christ. Now, the Sabbath law, like like most of the other Israelite laws, were designed to do a couple of things. One, the most important thing, I think, was to point everybody to how big of a failure they were. You know, you, you try to keep these laws, and it's like, man, I can't do this. I need a Messiah. And that's the point. And, and so that, the Sabbath was no different. But now Messiah has come. Jesus Christ, Son of God, Messiah has come and, and given his life for us, went to the cross, died, t- took our sin upon himself, rose from the dead, defeated sin and death. And so we have redemption to look back to which is a little bit different than the Israelites had. And so I th- my point is, when we see that, that the Messiah, who is also Lord of the Sabbath, by the way, um, comes to fulfill these things that the Sabbath points to, we, I think we can kind of see that Sabbath is, is a part of the, the whole story of Scripture throughout. It's not just something that goes away when Messiah comes. So we are to honor the Sabbath because that's how God made the world to work. Because we need to know our limits, because we need rest, and because we need to reflect daily on our redemption in Christ. But I think, I think that leads me to, to talk about a Sabbath myth, misconception, which is to ignore it. And maybe you're of the belief that we don't really need to do Sabbath. That's not something that we're... Um, required to do and it's not really helpful to us Um, but I I would invite you if that's you to look at the story of scripture to see how Sabbath is in fact a part of the story of scripture from beginning to end and here's the other thing that I'd like you to consider do you do you not still need to be reminded that it's God that upholds the universe and not you I mean are you not tempted throughout your week to think that yeah I I got this under control Look at the work I'm doing. I, I'm bringing home the bacon. I've got this. You're, are you not tempted to say that? Ignore the fact that God is the one who sustains you? I think we still are tempted to do that. And I think that's why we need a Sabbath even still. And, and the other thing is, don't you just need a break? Like, don't you just need a day to enjoy God's simple pleasures, instead of running around uh, trying to accomplish everything on your own strength? Is the Sabbath different now than it was before Christ? Absolutely. For one thing, there's no more death for gathering sticks. Numbers 15 is, is a story about how they catch someone gathering sticks in the wilderness to build a fire, and they're like, what do we do? And God says, stone him nobody's going to nobody's going to die because they worked on the sabbath that's that's part of the shadow of the sabbath but that doesn't mean it goes away i mean consider for instance there are other commandments like adultery and, and you were if you were caught in adultery in hebrew law you were to be executed or children dishonoring their parents there there are scriptures that say if a child dishonors his parents take him out in front of the the people and stone him okay we don't do those things anymore and thank god because i would not be here today if that was true okay for the children part not for the other part <laughs> jennifer it's okay wow that was that was almost a, a really big problem there um so some of these things pass away because they're shadows that point us to the Messiah. The Messiah is here, but I don't think that means that the, the principle of Sabbath passes away. Here's the second reason why Sabbath is so important for us today. The second thing that shows us why we need Sabbath, and that's God's goodness. Let's look at Mark 2, 23 through 28. and also gave it to to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Many people, I think, are like the Pharisees in that they view the Sabbath as a day of drudgery and duty instead of a day of delight. But we serve a God who is unlike any other. What I mean by that is, is that you look at Jesus, Son of God, and you see him walking with the disciples, leisurely, strolling through this grain field. I mean, you can just imagine him having a day of delight with his friends. I mean, is that your view of God, or do you view God as, as delightful as a God who delights in being with his people? Or do you view God maybe a little bit more like some of the gods of mythology, who, who are petty who are self-seeking. Baal, for instance, was kind of a, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours kind of God. But you better do really good at scratching my back. The Egyptian gods, as we already mentioned, they controlled through slavery. Is that how you view God, or do you view God like the Bible presents him? Because God, again, as I said before, shows his people that he is in control Through his goodness. And Sabbath is a gift to people who don't really deserve it. In fact, I would say Sabbath is a command from God for his people to delight. I mean, how many many other gods do that? Thou shalt have a good time. God delights in his people and wants us to delight in him. I mean, and Jesus says it. He made this for us. He made this for you. He made the Sabbath so we could have a day to refocus our hearts and delight in him. It's a day to stop. It's a day to remove ourselves from our normal business of our six other days. Remember that we do not sustain our worlds by our work. God does that. Isaiah 58, 13 and 14 is a really interesting passage um, that talks about Sabbath. I'm just gonna read it for you right now. If you turn your back, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, Then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now some will hear this passage, and they'll take it to mean, because it says, um, turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure. They'll take that to mean that you are not allowed to have any fun on the Sabbath. But if you look at the word, the Hebrew word for pleasure there, it carries more of a sense of doing your will. In this case, your your will over against what God wants you to do. And so it's not so much don't have fun on the Sabbath, it's take a day to remind yourself that you are under the will of God and not your own will on the Sabbath. So, Sabbath is about delighting in God's goodness. And his godness, but there's a misconception out there. I think that because when when people don't see the goodness of God, they tend to despise the Sabbath. Um, As I said before, they'll look at it as as a as a duty or drudgery, and that's how the Pharisees saw it. I mean, it it was a day to keep rules. It was a day where you weren't supposed to walk more than 100 yards or something like that. I mean, what kind of a delight can you have if you're trying to count your steps and figure out is my big step, is that enough to be a yard or not? Do I need to go back and measure again? I mean, that is, that's awful. The Pharisees use this, this stuff to control people, to hold power over people. I mean, do you view the Sabbath like that? As if, as if God is some kind of angry God who just gives us this day where we can't do anything, we cannot have any fun because God does not like fun? Maybe you spend the Sabbath walking around trying to avoid lightning bolts. That's That's not why God made the Sabbath. God is a good God. He wants us to delight in Him. Psalm 24 is one of hundreds of verses in the scriptures that show us this it says may the lord grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans those are not the words of a tyrant god those are not the words of a petty god those are not the words of a of a vindictive god those are the words of a delightful gracious good god he wants us to set ourselves up for delighting in him by living a life of sabbath rhythm so let me, I know you're probably like, preacher, get this over with so I can go do my Sabbath. But I want to look at some practical, practical things real quick. Um, there are a lot of views on how we should do Sabbath. There's one, one end of the spectrum just within reform tradition that basically says we don't have any moral obligation to keep this. Um, D.A. Carson edited a book called From Sabbath to Lord's Day that takes that stance. On the opposite end of the spectrum, there is uh, our Westminster Standards, which is a very strict uh, Sabbatarian document. They basically say Sabbath is for worship, deeds of mercy, deeds of necessity. There is to be no recreation. So there, there is a broad spectrum of how to view this. Um, a lot of people land in between those spectrums. John Calvin was one of them. And uh, I, w- I put myself kind of in between there. Um, so, but the question really is, Is the Sabbath really valid for us today? Do we we need to do this? I do think there's some flexibility on it. As I said, a lot of Reformed people take different stances, but I'm going to go with yes. As we've already seen, the Sabbath is a creation ordinance. God establishes as a part of creation on the seventh day of creation. A couple of other things to look at. Jesus made it his custom to attend worship on the Sabbath. We we see that in Luke 4.16. Jesus spent quiet time with his father. That doesn't necessarily have have to happen on the Sabbath, but it shows that he felt like it was important for us to get away and go rest. And then there's also the fact that the Sabbath points us to spiritual rest, the fact that we need to rest in Christ From our spiritual works. Um, we, We don't earn salvation by working. We rest in Christ for salvation. And the Sabbath is something that can point us to that. I think if we spend a day each week reflecting on that, that can go a long way towards our spiritual walk with Christ. All right, so what is acceptable and unacceptable work? on the Sabbath? Well I think there are a lot of things that, that you might consider work that you can do on the Sabbath. Um, I think it's okay to grill some burgers on the Sabbath or rake some leaves. Um, I think the point of the Sabbath is what do you, what do you do to win bread, to put bread on the table? What do you what is your bread winning job, your main line of work? Whatever that is, you need to rest from that on the Sabbath. That includes everyone, that includes kids, that includes stay-at-home moms, that includes retirees, um, everybody, whatever you do, here's the principle, whatever you do that might cause you to think that you run your universe, you need to rest from that. I put a couple of links, by the way, below um, of websites you could look at for some good Sabbath reading. One of them is on how stay-at-home moms can keep Sabbath. It's a blog by a friend of mine. I would recommend reading that. Uh, it's, a, it's a good read because I think that could be really tricky. You know, you, you might be tempted to say, well, I'm a stay-at-home mom, so for one day a week, I am ignoring my kids. I'm locking them in a bedroom. I will never see them that whole day, 24 hours. If they, if they eat, whatever, I don't care. Ignore. Maybe that's not quite the way to go with it. But there are some good considerations that, in that article. But, but here's something to think about. Grilling burgers, as an example. Is grilling burgers on Saturday okay, but on Sunday it's a sin? I don't think that's what God is getting at. I think the principle is, again, what's your heart attitude? And I think if you're sinning on Sabbath, it's because your heart attitude on Monday and Thursday And Saturday is the same as it it is on the Sabbath. It's a hard attitude that is saying, I don't need God, I got this. So speaking of days, does Sabbath have to be on a Sunday? It's an interesting question. And that's an important question for for pastors, for doctors, for nurses, for firemen, for for policemen, for nuclear plant dudes, for servers, for... All kinds of people who work on Sundays. I mean, imagine if nobody went to the nuclear plant today. That would be a problem, wouldn't it? I think that it's interesting if you look at the Sabbath formula in the Old Testament. It says, work six days, rest on the seventh. It's not real clear about which day, like, should it be Saturday? Should it be Tuesday? It's not real clear about which day the Sabbath has to be on. It just says... Do six of work, do one of rest. So if your six of work starts on a Tuesday, your one of rest is going to be on a Monday. Again, maybe that's not absolute truth. That's the way I look at it. Now Sunday, of course, is the established day of worship for the church uh, because of Christ's resurrection on a Sunday, because of apostolic tradition. um, But I don't think that that means that if you work on a Sabbath because you're required to, because uh, you, you do one of these jobs where we have got to have people at the hospital, right? I don't think that that means that all doctors are grievous sinners. They might be for other reasons, but not because of that. So the point is, you need a day, as I've said about 100 times already, you need a day to refocus your heart Realign your life under God's authority, under his lordship. One more thing, can we recreate on the Sabbath? There's a great article, another one of those things I listed below by Charles L. Jacob that says, yes, we can recreate and here's why. It's all these different scriptural references that say God is a fun God. He likes, likes it when we play. In fact, he's playful. I'd recommend you reading that. I think it's a good... Um, Primer on on why we can recreate on the Sabbath. I also think if you ask the question, where does the instinct to recreate come from? Does it come from God? Did He create us with that, or does it come from our sin nature? Like, is the instinct to go have fun sinful? I don't think so. I mean, I think if it is, that means we're going to be in eternity with no recreation and no fun, which is kind of weird. It's hard to believe. Now, if recreation is an idol to you, if that's something that that causes you to think that you run your own universe, maybe you need a break from that on the Sabbath. Sabbath is about turning our focus back on God. It's also not a do-nothing day, by the way. Um, Many people hear the word rest, and they think that means vegging out in front of the TV for 16 hours. I don't know that that's really what God's calling us to. Um, I think there is an active component to this resting. It says in the scriptures to honor Sabbath, to keep it. There's, those are verbs require us to do something active. So I think there's a, there's a component of uh, rejuvenating ourselves through active rest on the Sabbath. So that can be um, like after, after this worship service, going home and reflecting on the worship service, what it meant to you. What did, what did the sermon mean to you? Um, talking about it with your family around a lunch at your table, not in your car. Um, walking, praying, mercy ministry, deeds of necessity, helping people out. Play catch with your kids. Take your wife on a date. Uh, Jennifer the other day was talking about how when she crafts, which I don't, I don't know anything about crafting because I can't even cut straight or glue stuff on, but when she crafts, She has time for reflection and prayer that she doesn't get in any other way. Some might consider crafting to be work. She considers that to be Sabbathing. All of this, though, um, points us back to God, his sustaining work in our lives. And it points us to Christ, who is Lord of the Sabbath. And when it says in Mark 2 that that Christ is Lord of the Sabbath, it's basically a byproduct of him being Lord of everything. Everything. He is Lord of all creation. and Because of that, he is Lord of the Sabbath. He has authority on how to observe Sabbath. So what he says on Sabbath, that's what we should do. It points us to his deity. Repeatedly, this, the Old Testament says, this is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. And so Jesus, when he says, I am Lord of the Sabbath, he's saying, I'm God. And it points us to his humanity, too. Look, Jesus identifies with our weaknesses. He felt them. And so he administers the Sabbath in a merciful way, a delightful way. It's not something that he wants to be a burden to us. It's something that is a help to us because he knows how much we need it. And then Sabbath rest points us, again, like I said before, to our need for Christ, our need to rest in him for salvation. And finally, it also points us to our eternal Sabbath rest. Uh, When Jennifer and I, we if you don't know, we went to Uganda back uh, in July to adopt two children. And we were there. Jennifer was there for six weeks. Uganda was was a really difficult time and a really good time in a lot of different ways. Uh, There's a lot of waiting. We're really good at waiting now because of that, which is, I, I guess, a good thing. Um, so that gave us time to reflect and to anticipate, time to anticipate going home. And there was this one day where all I could do all day long was sing that Brad Paisley song, I Missed My Tennessee Home, because I really did. I was about to cry like a little 13-year-old girl. I missed it so much. And that's no offense to Uganda. I mean, Uganda, we had good times there. But it, I knew in my heart that home was better for us. Is my real home. And Christians have the same longing for their eternal home, only it's much greater. We know in our hearts that while this is, this is a temporary home and while there's some good things about it, our eternal home with Christ is far greater. And Sabbath gives us a glimpse of that. Hebrews 4.9 says, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And he, he makes this comparison here. And his point is that just as Sabbath is ceasing from your labor, labors for a day, it is a, just as it is a day of living the good life, delighting in the Lord, your ultimate Sabbath rest for eternity will be a, a lifetime, a forever time of living the good life with your Lord. Because not only will you cease from your labors, but all the effects of the curse are gone. So for those who are in Christ, there will be no need to focus our hearts on God. He'll be there with us. Our hearts will automatically be aligned with his because of Jesus Christ, the firstborn of creation, who won this inheritance for us. And so because of that, we will delight in God and he will delight in us. We will feast, we will celebrate, we'll be in his presence in the new creation forever. That's what it looks like to be Sabbath people. So are you a Sabbath person? I mean, maybe you're sitting here thinking, yeah, but you don't know my business. It takes seven days to run my business. You don't know my boss. He is a workaholic, and he thinks everyone else should be too. You don't know my school. I cannot get my schoolwork done in just six days. I need seven. And on and on and on we could go. God didn't say Sabbath keeping was easy. But I think you need to ask yourself, because God does say that those who keep his Sabbath will ride on the heights of the earth. Not really sure what that means, but sounds really good. And ask yourself are you riding on the heights of the earth by working your tail off 24 7? Or are you growing drier and drier spiritually every single day because you don't have a break? And you think you have to do this all by yourself. Don't get so caught up in making a living that you miss out on living life. There's a difference between the two, and the difference is the Sabbath. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are um, humbled by the fact that you would give us such a good gift as the Sabbath, that you would delight in your people enough to, to allow us to have a day to refocus our hearts on you and under your authority. We Thank you and we worship you and we praise you for this. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and sing of that eternal Sabbath rest that God has promised those who have faith in him. Let's sing together.